Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode and the first episode, the official first episode of the 2019 NASCAR season with all turns, no breaks. It's Tam and Renee and our special guest, Front Row Kitty. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. How y'all doing? Most excellent. How are you, Renee? I am doing fantastic. Uh, We can run down this weekend real quick so we can get into some NASCAR talk. I will tell you guys, and I'm sure uh, for all of our listeners that follow us on uh, Twitter or Instagram or me or Tam personally, you know that I'm so busy and I'm always on the run. This past weekend, Tam uh, and Kenny, I was out in uh, the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, specifically Fort Worth. And let me tell you, I was out there doing shows and it was amazing. Uh, I got this gig on the last minute fallout. Somebody fell out. So they, they slid me in to come headline the whole weekend there for Valentine's Day weekend. And it was absolutely fantastic and it's it's so nice not to have a valentine of my own obviously because i'm not dating anybody but it's so nice (laughs) but it's so nice to be able to go to another city and walk into a room and have everybody there be your valentine it is amazing and it is a wonderful thing and i had just an outstanding time and i I can't wait to go back in april and then now i'm back and uh just ready to get back to business with the nascar talk I didn't think about it like that. So you had a whole room full of Valentines, huh? Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you this real quick and, uh, and uh, just, just just to kind of throw in this one thing, because it, it really it really makes my day when I hear this. There was a young lady who uh, recognized me the next day after Valentine's, after the Valentine's Day show at one of the barbecue restaurants that was down the street from my hotel room. And she goes, I didn't even recognize you. She goes, but I recognized your voice. And that's why I came over to talk to you. And I said, oh, well, thank you. And she goes, but listen, I I just want to tell you that I was having a horrible, horrible Valentine's Day. I didn't think we were going to do anything, me and my boyfriend, and everything was just going wrong. And somehow we ended up at that show and you just made my night. She goes, I just want to personally thank you for making my Valentine's Day that much better than what it was probably going to be just at home with nothing to do. And I said, and, and that just blew my mind. And that just made my whole entire weekend in it. And that made me feel good, you guys. And uh, that's, that's why I love doing what I do. That's why I love working in the hospital. And that's why I love doing this podcast is to, uh, you never know who you're going to put a smile, a face you're going to put a smile on, you know? Renee, I just have one comment to that. What kind of boyfriend does she have where she was having a horrible time on Valentine's Day? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing, and I'm going to tell you real quick. They both work, and she goes to school, and they have children together. So uh, that, I think, it kind of explains everything. And uh, he, was, he was running late from work. She was running late from school and work. And uh, the grandmother who was going to watch the kids was running late from her job. So it was just uh, not in the cards for them that night. But somehow they, they ended up making it. And uh, I guess that's the story she gave me. So I don't know. <laughs> well, that's definitely quite a story. Yeah. I mean, that happened to me, too. Actually, our friend to the show, Cliff, over at Over the Wall. Well, actually, that's not the name of his podcast. That's actually his Twitter handle is Over the Wall. but. 
it's over the wall something. I'm sorry, Cliff, if you're listening, but saying that to say, I was at the auto club bringing it back to NASCAR and he recognized my voice. But, you know, I'm not as big of a celebrity as Renee, so I'm just a podcaster. (laughs) I'll take that. Someone who talks NASCAR. (laughs) And since we're on that topic, my weekend was just a weekend. I stayed in for the most part most of the weekend and prepared for the Daytona 500. Kenny, however, was actually at the Daytona 500. So, Kenny, tell us what happened down in Daytona. I know you were partying, you were hanging out with some of the NASCAR executives, some of the, well, I won't say executives, but some of the NASCAR folks. By the way, folks. very jealous. <laughs> yes, and some of the pit guys. So give us a quick rundown of your weekend, and then we'll jump into some NASCAR talk. Yeah, Daytona was fun. I wish you guys could have been down there. It was a great time. Hung out with a lot of my friends that I've worked with over the past couple of years or so. That was pretty cool. It was also, in case anybody doesn't know, this was my first Daytona 500 weekend ever. Been down to Daytona twice for the Coke Zero 400, but that feeling in Daytona during the 500 weekend is a whole never beast. It's just not the same as being there in July. It has a different aura, different feel. The infield was packed. Fans were all over the place. It was a lot happening. It was, it was pretty cool. A great experience. I'm really thankful to have that opportunity to be down there. It was it was cool and a lot warmer than it is up in Charlotte right now. When I flew back home, home it was 40 degrees and it was raining. Big big change from 78 degrees every single day or in the 70s for the most part. So no kidding. Fun times, fun times for sure. Had a lot, had a lot, a lot, lot going on. I even met one of my inspirations in broadcasting, actually, Alan Beswick, who. Is a former NBC broadcaster. I'm pretty sure a lot of NASCAR fans know who he is and got a chance to speak with him for a little while, chatted up with him. It was pretty cool. So I guess I could kind of sum up my Daytona. That's interesting that you called Charlotte home. So Charlotte <laughs> is home now, huh? Yeah, it's really starting to, it's, I'm really starting to get adjusted to it. It feels pretty good to be down here. I've all, ironically enough, I've always wanted to be in the city anyway, whether I had a job in NASCAR or not. I wanted to be here. So. It's a great vibe. I like it out here. It's pretty cool. And you guys had the NBA All-Star game out there this weekend, too. Yeah, and I had flown in right at the end of it. I caught the fourth quarter, and that was it. Too bad I missed that J. Cole concert, man. That would have been cool to go to. Yeah, that (laughs) and Anthony Hamilton was the talk of the All-Star game. Oh, and as well as the bounce pass that Steph Curry gave, which was Oh, man, it was know, crazy. Can you consider that a bounce pass? Because it bounced from the ground to the sky. That wasn't exactly a bounce pass, but yeah. Craziest thing, Giannis was at the at the backboard camera when he dunked it. It was so crazy. I've watched that replay so many times. Yeah. Well, I watched a little bit of the All-Star game. I was a little bit, I won't say a little bit. I was a lot of bit. <laughs> can you say a lot of bit? I was kind of, a lot of yeah, I was, I was over it. I was Daytona out. So that's a, that's a lot of dead. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, we had a bunch of, well, not a bunch, but we had a couple of cautions. And so the race went a little bit longer, but not as long as you would expect for Daytona, but great. It, it was a great thing. It didn't run into the all-star game. So I was able to watch the all-star game, but I just didn't feel like watching it. I caught. Luckily, some of the moments that everyone was talking about, but aside from that, 
I was over it. I, it. To me, my mind was set for Daytona. That's all I wanted to watch that day. Unfortunately, each year, All-Star Game and the Daytona 500 is on the same Sunday. Go figure. Out of all the <laughs> dango weekends in February, they both collide. But I will say this. If you guys caught this, NASCAR ratings were up. And it was the number one watch program or sports program this weekend. Very nice. Yes, very nice. nice. And as I tweeted from my personal account at I am sincerely Tam, believe it or not, NASCAR had about three or four trending topics in the top 10 worldwide topics on Twitter at one point. Now, a lot of that too was thanks to Bush Beer and their car to can campaign which took off shoot it a lot of people were tweeting about it but it was just great to see nascar being talked about the way it was on sunday hopefully we can keep that momentum up going into atlanta and on that note let's talk a little bit more about daytona or about the daytona 500 yeah let's do it before we go any further let's give you guys a quick recap we all know it doesn't really matter other than the winner at Daytona because it's Daytona. But I'm going to give you guys the top 10 anyway and a few notables. Denny Hamlin came home with the checker flag. That was his second Daytona 500 win. Kyle Busch came up short again at Daytona. He came in second. Eric Jones snuck in with a third place finish. Logano, our 2018 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion, came in fourth. Michael McDowell came in fifth. And we're going to talk about Logano and McDowell's drama. I don't want to use the word drama, but I think they got drama. They exchanged words. It's a little scuffle. Just a little scuffle. That's what we're calling it. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a bit. Ty Dillon. You know, somebody pointed this out. I think it was Justin um, who pointed this out. And we posted his picks for the Daytona 500 on our pre-episode to the beginning of the season. Ty Dillon kind of always is right there when it comes to Daytona and these super speedways. But yeah, he came in six. Kyle Larson, I'm shocked Kyle Larson came in seven because I remember him being involved in a few things, but hey, he he managed to get a top 10. Oh, wait, who is this? I never said this name before in the podcast. Pierce. Who was that? Oh, Ryan Priest. Yeah, yeah Priest. that was um, Pierce his... Priest. I, pretty, I can't read my own handwriting. Yes, I did wow. prepare some notes, but I guess I didn't take very good notes. So Ryan <laughs> came in eighth. Jimmy Johnson, after all that drama, and we're going to talk about Jimmy. Jimmy came in ninth, and then Ross Chastain came in 10th. Some notables, everybody's new favorite driver, Matt DeBitadito, came in 28th. Bubba Wallace is a notable only because he finished second last year in Daytona, and it was the feel-good story of the race. This year, he came in 38th. How many drivers was in the race this year? (laughs) 40? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we have 40 yeah, this year. Yeah, so he and didn't fare too well. Yeah, not so good this year. Yeah, now... I got to say one quick thing, though, for a notable. 
I still think we got to give Ross Chastain some credit after all of that drama he has had during the offseason with DC Solar, and he was supposed to have an Xfinity ride full-time this year with Ganassi. Mm-hmm. I think that was really tough on him on the offseason. So to see him get a top 10 at Daytona after all of that, I think that's pretty special for him. Yes, indeed. Yeah, good, point. good point, Kenny. If you guys don't know, which I'm sure you guys all know, DC Solar filed bankruptcy. They had a lot of drama. It was like, Shop open today, close tomorrow. <laughs> That's pretty much the sum of it. <laughs> and so one other notable to add, there were only 14 cars that were on the lead lap when the race finished. And again, that's just Daytona. For the most part, there were about 20 plus cars that were involved in accidents. And if 14 cars were on the lead lap, that means that, what's that, 26 cars <laughs> were not on the lead lap. That's pretty much the summary of Daytona. Now, let's get into the drama, the drivers with the attitudes, the drivers that were defeated. Who wants to talk about Joey and McDowell? Kenny, you want to talk about that? Yeah, go ahead, Kenny. Yeah, sure. So the whole incident with Joey and and Michael McDowell was a very weird one. And we've had this conversation once before with drivers getting mad for racing each other hard. Yep. The thing about it is, like McDowell mentioned, I'm not paid to push him. I don't care if he's a Ford driver, just like I am. That's not my job. He's going for it just as much as he is. And they're not even on the same team. Might have that same blue oval. But that doesn't mean I'm just going to give it up all of a sudden just because we're both forwards. So Joey can be mad all he wants. I don't blame McDowell on a smaller team as well, not to forget that part as well. He's going all out for it. This is one of the biggest purses of the year. This is huge for a lot of these smaller teams. And to get his to get his position, it's huge money for that team. They're going to need that this season. So I don't see why he was mad. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I'm going to agree with that because... And you're right. They 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 are going to need that money, and that that is a huge position for them this year. Um, but it 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 all comes down to uh, exactly what you said. This is racing. This is hard racing, and this is the one of the biggest uh, races of the year. And and on, and on that stage, you're right. I mean, it's he's not obligated to help Joey. He's not obligated to help anybody. His teammates, maybe I could see that, but everybody's trying to win. Everybody's trying to get that position to uh, come home with the the ultimate prize, which is the checkered flag. It's not in anywhere of his obligation to help. And who cares if you're if you're driving a Ford and he's driving a Ford? Then I don't care. I'm trying to win. <laughs> well, I'll just chime in and say one phrase. It's not even one word, but one phrase. Every man for themselves, and we can end that discussion right there yeah. because it's yes, that twenty five hundred. Uh, I think who was that who said they would wreck their grandmother? Somebody said that, and I was like, "That's my kind of driver." Oh yeah, um, who was that? Was that um... no? It was it. They did a promo where they asked a few people their thoughts, but like I said, it's every man for themselves. And speaking of every man, I do want to chime in a little bit and talk about Joe Gibbs Racing and how they finished one, two, three with Denny taking the flag or checker flag Kyle Busch in second and Eric Jones sneaking in for a third place finish that was pretty much JD as in JD Gibbs watching over them and Joe Gibbs was so emotional it was so touching 
we all have J.D. Gibbs stories. I mean, I have shared my story when I first got into NASCAR. He was one of the first people that I met and got an opportunity to get a tour of Joe Gibbs Racing and hang out with that guy for a weekend with a few other people. So with him passing away, it it really touched a lot of people in NASCAR. And for those guys to go out and, and finish the Daytona 500 of all things one, two, three, to win right after JD's passing was just a blessing. And yeah. like Joe Gibbs said, this was for JD. It was the. And you know what, guys? I, I will, I will say this. Those three drivers could have finished in any order, different order, if you will. But, um, and it still would have been special. But I think, especially with Denny Hamlin winning. And remember, Tam, we said it when we were giving our predictions. I don't know what it is about Denny Hamlin this year. And maybe it was just something that carried over from last year. And he was going to try to come out and make a point right off the bat. I just felt it coming from him. Maybe not the whole team coming one, two, three like that. Denny Hamlin winning it is is one thing. But to have one, two, three, all your Joe Gibbs racing guys coming through like that, I can completely understand why Joe Gibbs was that emotional. And I would have been too. And I think you're right. I think that's just JD up there just going, you know what, guys, just get one for me. Also, to be noted, JD gave Joey a start. Logano doesn't race for Joe Gibbs. He races for Penske. But JD's hand was all over the top four finishes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hate to go from a positive to a negative, but I don't know technically if this is a negative, but... I feel like we need to talk about your boy, Jimmy Johnson. I'll let oh, gosh, Renee, yeah. that is your, you are a Hendrick guy. I'll let you chime in. Kenny, you can add whatever you have to say about Jimmy. But I feel like, I I hate to say this, but Jimmy can't get right. I said it last season. It looked promising this season. I mean, he did get a top 10 finish at Daytona, but he had a lot of drama with that top 10 finish. You know, and I went back and I read, was it Daryl Waltrip who uh, they interviewed and said he kind of had a problem with, with Jimmy Johnson as well. I listened to a little bit of that that interview and, and I had to agree with DW because as we know, he had several different wrecks at ser- several different times. Here's the thing. It's one thing if you're going to admit your fault and say, hey, you know what? I got it wrong, like how he did when he wrecked into Kyle Busch. That's one thing, but the other thing when you're you create such a a huge wreck, and when he got into Paul Menard, it's like you have to sit there and at some point look in the mirror and go, okay, you know what? That's on me. So what is it that I need to do that I have to stop doing this because this is not Jimmy Johnson, and 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 I feel bad for the guy because I'm such a huge fan of his, Tammy. You know this. I feel bad for him, but at the same time. You have to sit there and look in the mirror and go, you know, I'm a seven-time champion. I should not be doing this. I should not be having these problems. And whatever it is that he had going on last year is is certainly carrying on over to this year. And even though he finished the and even though he finished the race, you know, in the top ten, it's it's just crazy. But you you have to sit there and just kind of go, hey, Jimmy, get it together because you know what? These guys are they're professionals too, and they want to win too, and they're not gonna. They're not going to sit there and just take a, a, hey, I'm sorry, and things happen. They're going to come back after Jimmy, and and he need, he needs to be careful. Yeah, for sure. I I can agree with you on 
just about every point you made about Jimmy, of course, but he had a rough speed weeks from the clash, having that big accident with him and Paul Menard, going back to the duels on Thursday with Kyle Bush. Then on Sunday, wasn't his fault. It was a bad incident that happened on pit road as they're all trying to come down to the green flag. And I honestly thought, I mean, for green flag pit stops. And honestly, at that moment, I honestly had thought that he was going to be done for. I was waiting in the garage when he got hit. I'm like, his car is done for. That whole front end was off. The back was back quarter panel. The rear right rear quarter panel was already gone off the car. I'm like, man, I think they might call it and he might be done. I was sitting there waiting next to his box, but he had a rough speech overall. That's just how it went for him. And I don't think he's going to apologize for any of what happened, unfortunately. But the thing is, I feel like if he was a rookie, like a Ryan Priest, if Ryan Priest did something like that, I think a lot of more, a whole lot more people would have been way more in an uproar. They would have been angry at him. Jimmy Johnson, he demands a lot more respect. And I think he's garnered that with seven titles for sure. Pretty sure y'all can agree with me on that point. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a rough deal for him. I think he'll be fine throughout the rest of the season. Again, bouncing back from last season, which was a shocker to a lot of us, but. I think he just had a bad year last year. Just had a bad speed weeks. That's it. You mentioned his car being mangled. I posted a video that <laughs> I had lifted. I don't, I don't, know if I don't want to use the word lifted, but I lifted it from Jimmy Johnson's Instagram stories and I posted it on our Twitter account. And it was him basically talking about how gnarly his car looked after the race because there was nothing left. I wasn't even sure he was going to be able to go on because there was nothing pretty much holding the gas tank in place at one point. But (laughs) yeah, Jimmy, I'm just going to add this. Jimmy's season started great. He, He had drama, but he won the clash. He was looking good in the Daytona 500. But I think the narrative and the conversation the entire season is going to be him versus Chad. And I don't like the narrative because they're still a team, even though they're different technically as every man for himself, like I said, but they're still Hendrick affiliate. It seems as if the narrative quickly became, oh, is Chad gonna win before Jimmy wins? Well, technically Jimmy has already won, but then No, technically, Chad, because William Byron sat on the pole for the Daytona 500. So who technically won first? Blah, blah, blah. Neither one of those are races. They're not point races. So I felt as if it shouldn't even been up for discussion. But I also know just based on what I was hearing, the chatter is that it's going to be an ongoing conversation. It's almost as if that whole thing with Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick can they win without each other? Because technically, neither one of them have won without each other. They've been together. Yeah. It- so it's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out for Jimmy as well as Chad. Yeah, I agree with you, Tam. I hate that that's going to be the conversation for the entire season, unfortunately. I know Kevin Mendering probably hates hearing that a lot, and he's going to hear it all season, unfortunately. But Canals and William Byron will be fine. He'll get him in shape as a young driver he is and the Chad Canals is super experienced, as we all know, with Jimmy and his dynasty that they created. So I think it'll just be, you'll, you'll, you'll probably see a lot more improvement out of Byron this year, for sure. I think Jimmy and Mendering will be fine. Jimmy's a vet. So is he. They'll be fine all season. It sucks that that's the narrative, but 
I wish it wasn't either because they're both talented regardless. It doesn't even matter who's on the top box for either. They're both talented. One other thing I want to add, too, is that I feel like the narrative is going to be Jimmy has beef because he's making a lot of enemies already. The season is just getting off to, <laughs> off to, we just started and he's got beef with Paul Menard, who ironically talked all that crap and then went out and did the same thing Jimmy did. Yeah. How about that? But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like Jimmy has become the bad guy, but he's not a great representative. <laughs> Of the bad guy well, club. If he keeps wrecking like that, he's going to become a bad guy real No, much. he doesn't have it in him. <laughs> We've does. talked about this on many podcasts. Jimmy doesn't Dude, have it in those him. Those people on the highway just got into a wreck and still blamed it on Jimmy. And, and <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I mean, he's no, he's no Kyle Bush. Exactly. I will say that right off jump. He's, he's not him. <laughs> or Kevin Harvick, for one. Yeah, you know, I felt a little... I didn't hear Kevin's name as much as I would have liked to. This weekend, Speed Week's weekend. Yeah, he had a relatively calm Speed Week's, quote-unquote, I'd say. Didn't really do much. I believe he was caught up in that big accident that happened. The first one that happened, I think right as I left the Speedway, that's when that 10-car pile of it happened, and he got into that one. So, yeah, it was a quiet one for him, minus winning the duels. Yeah, that's it. He won the duels, but we'll see how his season go. And as we know, Kyle Busch, he was pouting afterwards. I mean, can you imagine be getting so close to winning the Daytona 500 and coming up short to your teammate? Yeah, that's why I can understand why he's so frustrated. I mean, it, it does suck when you get like that close, and not just once, but twice like that or even three times. It doesn't matter. But I can totally understand why he gets all upset and frustrated. I, I, I would be, too. <laughs> You're like right there. and You can taste it. You can <laughs> grab it. If you guys watched this weekend that Earnhardt versus Gordon documentary, they touched on it a little bit. How Senior, Dale Senior, he came up short at the Daytona 500, what was it, 19 times or 18 times before he won? Yeah, till 98 and he finally got it. I feel bad for Bush, though, still. Because he's had a chance at winning the Daytona 500 a few times. I think 2008 is probably the most notable one I can remember. He had the best car all speed weeks. This time, he got the chance to finish one, two, three with his teammates. A little better than getting wrecked out midway through it, knowing you had the best car all weekend. So, I'm sure this one feels better in a sense, but it still sucks. It sucks. That's why he was so upset. Because I, I would feel the same exact way knowing I could win it, and then that happens to me in a better fashion. But still, I want to win. I think that's all he actually has left to win in terms of a major race, because he's won the Coke 0600. I mean, Coke 600. He's won Brickyard. He's won the Southern 500. I think he's done just about everything except for a 500. Yeah, no, he's, no, won, at, he's won at every track, but he hasn't won. So he's won at Daytona, but he hasn't won the 500. Yep. We'll see. Well, let's move on. What else is going on? Oh, I know we need to talk about the France family recommitting to NASCAR. And I know you were at the driver's meeting, Kenny, or something. I know you, I remember you telling me France had said something. Yeah, I was around for the driver's meeting. And essentially, Jim France really just commanded those drivers say, look, let's go out there. Let's put on a show. You guys are the best drivers in the world. I know you can do it. And it seemed like just that statement itself was just enough 
Jim France speaketh, and the driver's driver is. <laughs> That's what happened. That's what I feel like happened. I think he commands a lot, a lot of respect, clearly, because they actually did it. And Sunday was fantastic up until the crashes, but still, it was a pretty good 500 overall, honestly. It was. We took a poll, and surprisingly, almost 90% of the people who voted in our poll thought that the Daytona 500 was a good race. Now, mind you, we took this poll right as the race was going on, but we reposted it to kind of see how people felt towards the end. And like I said, I believe it was 90% of the people who voted thought that it was a great race. Now, we did have a few people because people are going to be people and give you a little extra, but we had a couple (laughs) of people who chimed in and said that it wasn't the best 500 that they ever saw, but it it surely was great. In fact, 86% of the people voted said they were enjoying the race, 5% said no, and then 9% said, uh, action, please. But clearly that was before the, the what was it, a 21-car pile? <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of good passing. I don't know what, I don't know what someone wants out of that, but it was decent. Felt like strategy came into play. People mixed it up a little bit. Matt DiBenedetto led laps. So it was kind of crazy. So that was, that was actually most excellent for that guy to lead some laps. Oh, yeah. You know, it kind of gave you hope because he has a lot of supporters and, you know, he's obviously hasn't been in the best equipment, but for him to lead a lap is always a huge thing. Do you recall how many laps William Byron led? Yeah, I don't remember I, I don't exactly remember. how many he led. It was a few laps, but I know once the Benedetto got out front, he led for a good portion. He was doing pretty good. And again, back to what you said, this is probably some of the better equipment he's got since Levine now has a alliance with TRD, Toyota Racing Development, for new NASCAR fans. Yeah. Um, they're pretty good with them, and they've done well for different teams. And that alliance goes along with a, teams like Joe Gibbs, for example. So that's pretty huge for them. And it's going to help him out a ton this season. And this is probably his last chance at something really serious because he started with Joe Gibbs and K&N a long time ago, and now we're here. So this is a big year. for. It's going to be a big year for him, honestly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gained a few more fans after uh, this past Sunday, too. So Oh, he definitely, yeah. definitely. I wanted to chime in on something you said, Kenny, it just kind of triggered something. Speaking of the best equipment ever, as well as getting a start with Joe Gibbs Racing, a lot of talk was about Jeffrey Earnhardt. He got an opportunity to race in the Xfinity race with Joe Gibbs Racing. I believe he has, is it a six six race or nine race deal with Joe Gibbs Racing? It's a, it's oh, a wow. six race deal, if I'm not mistaken. So he'll do a couple races this year with them. Yeah, I mean, so now he has an opportunity to show us what he can do. Sadly, I don't want to say sadly because that's, I don't know if that's the correct word, but you know, when you have a name <laughs> like Earnhardt, that's a lot to live up to. Oh, it is. Really. And you're the grandson. I think that's a it's hard not, thing you to know, do. It's with. not like he's Dale Jr. Which is always, you guys already know, but it's crazy because Carrie technically is his oldest son, but Dale is the junior. And Carrie obviously is Jeffrey's dad. You know, one thing that's just totally off, off and left field, 
Man, them Earnhardt jeans are strong because they all look just alike. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they low-key kind of got that ginger, because they're not true gingers as in redheads, but they are. Right. Because they're blonde gingers. It's a lot going on. But they, I mean, from Carrie to Dale to Jeffrey, they look just like Senior. Yeah, but, they do. They really do. He did good, though, on Saturday. Yeah. I think he did pretty good. Well, that was completely random. So I guess it's time for some predictions. We're actually headed to Atlanta, and this is the first time that we are going to be running the new package that everyone... Well, was anybody really talking about it, to be honest? But yeah, we're going to be running the new package. <laughs> what was that, Kenny? Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Um, in terms of the package coming out, it, I think people talked about it when the testing happened in Las Vegas. And if you were on oh, Twitter, during the testing, right? Mel- yeah, people had a meltdown from what they saw on those two days of testing in Las Vegas. But I think the one big thing people have really lost, and this is a part of this generation with instant reaction to every single thing that happens, doesn't matter what it is. Um, a lot of people hated it right off jump because they couldn't see exactly how it worked. But there were only 13 cars out there. I'm more interested to see how that plays out with 40 cars. It makes a whole lot of a difference when you have 40 cars out there versus 13 that may or may get spread out like how they kind of did. So I'm more interested to see how it pan- pans out in true race condition because I still can't even give a true judgment off of just testing, whether it was at Auto Club and whether it was at Las Vegas. You just can't get a, a good feel for it just seeing 13 cars out there. It's a small sample size, if anything. I'm excited, but I'm not because, I don't know, I just, I felt like maybe the seasons should have started with the new package. I mean, granted, I know we were at Daytona and restrictor plays versus tapered. It's the same thing. That is the thing about this. So the tapered spacer taper and a restrictor I could not, plate. I, you know what? It was on the, sorry. No, no, you're fine. It, it's the same thing virtually. It really is. And the funny thing about it is so many people are angry about it. The tapered spacer isn't new. And also restricted engines in NASCAR has been a thing ever since Bill Elliott pulled that 212 and when Bobby Allison had his crash. Once that <laughs> happened, that's when everything switched. And there's been a restricted plate, and the engines have been restricted anywhere they go, no matter where it's at. So it's really nothing new in terms of the the tapered spacer. Same, same little plate. <laughs> yeah, there's never anything new or old when it comes to NASCAR and rules and changes <laughs> and this and that. So, I mean, packages, no packages, one pack, two packs. This is what NASCAR is about. This is what we've uh, b- become used to. But but I will say, I'm actually looking forward to it in Atlanta. You know what, Tim? I actually almost thought about, you know, maybe we should have just started the season with the package. But uh, after <laughs> I thought about it, I was like, I, I, I get it. Maybe they just want to just leave the Daytona 500 the way it is, and then we'll just start it in Atlanta. I'm okay with that. But it makes no sense because we're going to Talladega. So are you not going to run the package at Talladega? It. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be the taper spacer package at Talladega, so that'll be the first glimpse of how it's gonna handle when we go to Talladega for the first time. So that's yeah. gonna be different. And I think that's also something that kinda has intrigued me more about this season than any other season in the past, is because all the races that are coming up are gonna have different packages. Again, 
the first five races of this season are going to be so crucial in terms for the team. And same with the fans. You're going to see something different for these first five weeks. When they go to Atlanta, it's going to look different. When they go to Auto Club, it's going to be different. At Phoenix, which I think is going to have the short track package, which is normal, which is 750 horsepower, then you're going to Texas. You know, it's going to look different there. So it's going to be interesting to see how it actually pans out and to see how the fans react to it. But I'm here for it just to see what may or may happen. We, we don't know. We really don't know what's going to happen. It's just all speculation. And that's just the end of it. That's it, really. Well, we're about to find out. We have no choice but to be here for it because NASCAR made the change. I, like We do, but fans are going to complain no, I anyway. I mean, here's the thing. Matter. Fans are going to complain no matter what. Personally, <laughs> we know Tam loves her some super speedways. I am a fan of restrictor <laughs> plate racing, and it's not anything other than I just like Daytona and Talladega. Those are two of my favorite tracks. I'm not a fan of slowing down the cars, but I've come to accept it at super speedways that for the safety of the drivers. If it was up to me, I would just say, let it go. 250, that's fine I, I with see. me. I see what you mean. That's why I, I like Formula One, let it roll. IndyCar, yeah. let it roll. But I also but know that open wheel racing that. is dangerous, especially at the speeds that they go at. But It is. But it's very weird that you had mentioned that about the speed of the cars. So, and I even saw this on NASCAR talk today with fans talking. Like one fan, I think it said, I really enjoyed it in the 70s. I don't think a lot of people who enjoyed the 70s in the modern era, I don't think most people want that these days. I don't think people want leads of three or four laps, 13 seconds to the second place car that's 30 laps down to the leader. I don't think people really want that. But what I will say, the speeds are where they were in the 90s. And a lot of people love the NASCAR in the 90s. That's the funny thing about but it. But you also had so, different drivers, Kenny, in the 90s. and you, you do. That's true. But the package is what I'm saying. And the speeds are similar. So are we going to get the same thing? Something close to it. Not 100% sure, but that's just the only thing I always say when fans say I want it back to the old school. Well, even Daytona, what we experienced before the 500 with the single, with the uh, single car, single file conga line was the same thing people loved in the 70s and the 80s and even in the 90s. Even Dale Earnhardt's win in 98, most of the time that race was single file. It's just a fact, but you know, people change their mind, I guess, right? Some people love the 70s, but that was for a different reason. So, uh. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is that it's 2019. People are drafting it different. Is. I mean, it's yeah. three wide at Daytona. I mean, it's, it's just totally different than back then. But I also think, too, you have different drivers, different driving styles. I don't really, I can't really say there is a current driver who reminds me of the days of yesteryears. Like, who has that old school? Like, yeah, people always talk about Ryan Blaney has an old soul. But what driver has that old, I don't want to say old school driving. And I'm not talking about mentality. I'm just talking about Wilman. I was just about to say mentality, too. That's what I was just getting ready to say. I would say Kyle Busch would would have fit well in the 90s. He would have been crazy. 
I feel like if he was in the nineties, honestly, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I think maybe he would have been the best fit. Uh, maybe, um, you know what? Maybe your boy, Tam, uh, Oh, Clint, Clint. He's like a modern day Tim Richmond. That's what yeah. I feel like he is basically. Just because of the way he is as a party person, he has yeah, a right, certain exactly. personality. Oh yeah, he would have been. I think Kevin Harvick might have too. He would have been. You know what? He reminds me of his personality. Like I could see him, like Richard Petty kissing on the babes. You know how they used to have the Winston <laughs> girls. You know, of course, if he wasn't married, I could see him giving a little kiss, a little peck on the cheek to each woman. I could see Kyle Larson possibly in terms of just skills, but I don't I don't see his personality fitting in. Like it always goes back to personality with me. And like Jimmy Johnson to me could not have back in the day they would have ate him alive. They would have ran him off the track. Cause he's <laughs> he has that I don't want to use the word soft, but he's a lover, not a fighter. He's he's just a nice guy. But I can see Kyle and old Kurt, not new Kurt, old Kurt Bush. <laughs> Who else? Bubba, because Bubba can be yeah. quite, he can get an attitude with you if need be. I've seen him mad before, and I do agree with you on Bubba? that. But even, yeah, yeah, I think he, I've seen him pretty pissed. I think it was an incident a few years ago with him and Brian Scott at Kentucky, and they got into it. It was pretty crazy. I'd seen him. What a fire lit under him for one time. And I'm like, yeah, you piss this guy off enough. I think he'd probably go off a whole lot more. Oh, Denny Hamlin? Oh, him too. Yeah, you know what? Him too. That's a yeah, good Yeah, no, one, Denny. Actually. I'm they like, Denny how Hamlin can we too. forget about Denny? I don't know why I don't know why I didn't say his name. One of the names I should have yeah, said I'm surprised first. We didn't say what, I, I'm surprised we didn't uh, <laughs> lump him in with Kyle Busch. Right, right. Yeah, he's, I mean, he has that personality and that fire, I think, you know, that would have fit in the 90s. Who I know who wouldn't fit in for sure is Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano. You don't think Brad no, would? They would? I think have he beat would. Brad's butt. Brad? I don't know. No, because After Brad is the guy it. who, he is a racer, but he technical. And that's why they would have beat his butt. Right. But you got to think about him and Carl Edwards. Remember that period with them? Oh, man, that was crazy. I don't that care. Brad is, deep. I like Brad. He doesn't have, I don't he's know. too technical. He's too Okay, so let's see how this car can work. <laughs> you know, that I think that maybe now you might say that, but before, nah. <laughs> I don't think so. In his in his Xfinity days, I feel like him and Carl Edwards, that was like the last Okay, good Uncle Cousin Carl Edwards remember, is one of my I favorites. I don't but know. even I don't see him fitting in back in the day either. Who, Carl Edwards? Not nah, nah, I wouldn't see that. So if you, you know, don't see Carl don't fitting think... in, how do you see Brad fitting in? <laughs> <laughs> I see Brad because he was the agitator most of the time. That's why I say that because in yeah, that robbery, they beat he him up and it. run him off the track. That's what all that I'm saying. You hey, think look, about, hey, but look, you guys. <laughs> okay, I don't know what well, era we're talking some, about, uh, but just throwing some names and uh, Kenny's rants. <laughs> Hashtag rants. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. He's an agitator, though. You know, some agitators, they can talk, they mess, but they might No, but he don't talk mess like that. You got to understand, he's very technically Ah, sound. I don't know. That's a debatable one. He don't. No. I think so. You know, let me just say this. We can talk about this forever, but let's just go back. (laughs) Let's talk about DW, Daryl Waltrip. You know, we're getting now the old version of DW. But the young version of DW, he could yap with the best of them. 
That's why they called him Jaws, because he never shut up. Yeah. Now, take that comparison to Brad Kozlowski. Brad is just so, yeah. so, uh-huh. you know, he's, no, he's not a DW. Not at any means. I mean, you can go I back to Junior DW. Johnson. I'm, I mean, I'm you not going to call him here call him DW now. Of all those drivers from back in the day. You know, think about these guys smoking while they turning laps with the cigarette in their hand. <laughs> and that's wild. That, that, that's Brad wild. That Don't guy. get me wrong. That, that, that's, that's a wild era. He ain't that. I know and he ain't that. And that's all that I'm sure. saying. He would not have fit in back in the day. Mm. Uh. Yeah. Well, it's just my opinion. You're entitled and to your opinion. Everybody, everybody wasn't a bad boy, though. <laughs> everybody wasn't a bad boy. You know what I'm not saying? Not everybody so like was, could. but he was just, he's just, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a whole other list of drivers, but, oh, Kevin Harvick would fit in. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed, 100%. He was feisty when he came up. He was already like that. I'm not even surprised. Yep. So we went from one driver fitting in to about, like, uh, four more, <laughs> and then, uh... <laughs> Hey, look, it's a healthy discussion. This is yeah, fans know, right here. Yeah, I, it's so funny because I'm like, we should just cut all the rest of the podcast and just talk about it and leave this. I'll be honest with you. We've been talking about this for about 20 minutes. <laughs> I just want to say one last thing about Kevin Harvick. See, Kevin was around back in the days. I mean, we remember he had to step into Senior's car after he passed away. Rest in peace. So he still has that. Or not that he still has, but he has a little bit of that era in him. Could you imagine? Yeah, he was running in the end of the nineties into the till two thousand one yeah. when he got the cup. So, but yeah. I mean, it's not that he raced mean. in you know the seventies and the eighties, but he still got a taste of that because a few of those guys were still in it. Right. If that makes sense, hopefully that yeah. came across. Wow. No, that make no, that makes sense. And he grew up in a Bush series. It will now yeah, expand. Bakersfield. <laughs> that too. But at that era where he was driving in, they had a lot of veterans. That's where Xfinity has changed over the years. They used to have those guys that were down there that were like how we have a Kevin Harvick, Kyle Bush, for example, they had those guys down there. They raced them every weekend. It was no, we cut off cup guys and we cut off such and such. No, it was everybody for themselves yeah. and some of the best local drivers coming out every weekend. So they raced the best of the best every single weekend. So True that. That's him. Okay, guys, we've been talking forever. I guess it's time to wrap up this <laughs> podcast. Hopefully you guys stay to the end. You guys enjoyed what we had to say. If you have not subscribed to the podcast by now, shame on you. Stop what you're doing right now. Hit pause. Hit subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you want to call it, on Google Play, Pandora. Well, actually, are we on Pandora yet? I think we should be on Pandora. I think we are, yeah. I've been trying to get us on Pandora. Hopefully, we are by now. But we are also on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify. We're on SoundCloud and wherever else you get your podcasts from. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, make sure to check us out at Turns No Breaks. On Mondays at 7 p.m., we go knee deep into some NASCAR talks. So if you like what you heard, just imagine we have a bunch of our friends that are on Twitter that chime in and add their two cents. We hope that you will be one of them. And before we close out this podcast, I want to ask Renee, as well as Kenny, 
Who you got for Atlanta? It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Okay, Kenny, I'll let you go ahead and uh, you go first. All right, sounds good. So for me, I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick as my main pick. And my alternative pick, I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski. Mm. Okay, Renee, who you got for Atlanta? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you right off the bat. Um, I'm going to go with the same guy that won the race on Sunday. I am going with a back-to-back Denny Hamlin win. I just feel it about this guy, uh, and I'm sure his head is in the clouds, and I think it's going to remain there. I I can see him winning again in Atlanta, taking the checkered flag. If I have to get an alternative pick, I'm actually going to go with Brad Keselowski as well. Um, I was kind of feeling him just a little bit, but if Denny Hamlin doesn't win this race, don't be surprised if Brad Keselowski wins this race. I don't know what it is. I just got to feel about it. You know how I do, guys. But usually I'm right, and uh, we'll see what happens. So that's who I got. Tam, who you got? Okay, all great picks, especially because it was last year in Atlanta where Kevin Harvick caught the fever and went back to back to back, if I'm not mistaken. He did. This could be a turnaround track for Harvick. And Brad Kozlowski, who picked Brad? Was that you, Kenny? Well, actually, we both kind of did, right, okay, Kenny? Well, we all look, look. Every time we on a podcast, it is all three of us. Me and Renee pick something the same at least once, and you know it. <laughs> you know what? That's true. Every time, I was just waiting for him to say for my alternative pick, I'm going with Brad Keselowski. I was waiting for it. <laughs> well, Brad won the race in 2017, and for you, you guys know Denny Hamlin is my pick. And I caught this before the Daytona 500. I picked Denny Hamlin to win the 2019 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. So with that being said, I'm not going to pick him to win this race. I didn't pick him to win Daytona either. He was my alternative pick. But, you know, I do have him to win the season. He hasn't actually won in Atlanta since 2012. I think that was his only time winning in Atlanta. I am going to go with Mr. Can't Get Right, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy is a five-time winner in Atlanta. And I just feel like he needs to redeem himself because he he can't. We know he went winless last season. And he started off this season with drama. So I feel like he's going to put everything to rest and put all the losing streak and the drama behind him. And I believe he is going to win in Atlanta. And my alternative pick is actually going to be Alex Bowman. I'm sticking with Alex again this week because he was my pick to win the Daytona 500. So I'm going to go with Alex Bowman as my alternative for Atlanta. I like that. Wow. Wowza. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, If you're listening to our podcast, as we always hope that you are listening to our podcast, those are our picks. What are your picks? Hit us up on our social media, like Tam said. Let us know who your picks are. Thank you for tuning each and every week for All Turns No Breaks. For Tam, Front Row Kenny, I am Renee, and we will see you here again next week. Bye-bye. That was actually really dope, guys. (laughs) I was. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 